0: again. It's been a few weeks, and so I, I missed that, but I, I have been uh, looking forward to this text with anticipation, and I hope that, that you have as well, that you come every Sunday uh, ready to learn, ready to be uh, spoken to from the Word uh, by the Spirit, by Christ, by God the Father. Uh, it is October now, and believe it or not, you've probably seen this, some stores already have Christmas stuff out, and uh, there was a Christmas album that got dropped, I even saw this week, uh, that some people are already in Christmas mode, and as we're talking about spiritual gifts uh, my mind kind of was going back to Christmas when I was a kid, and I don't think a whole lot of kids do this anymore, at least our kids don't, because of all the digital advances and we can send stuff electronically. But one of the things that I look forward to the most as Christmas would come around every year as a kid was writing out my wish list. I, I would My grandmas and grandpas and my mom and dad uh, would say, hey, Mark, what do you want for Christmas this year? What would you like as uh, a gift or some gifts from us, and I loved that process of just imagining all the stuff I could get, like imagine what would be the coolest gadgets or the, the coolest toys, the coolest whatever, fill in the blank, as whatever age I was as a kid. I loved uh, writing those things out, and I would make multiple lists to give to this grandma and this grandma and uh, try to be strategic about those things, but there was this anticipation in my heart as a kid of what gifts I might receive. There's this eagerness, this excitement, like, man, I might not get all of this stuff, but maybe I'll get some of it. Maybe I'll get this thing, or maybe I'll get that. And I was excited about it. I was eager for the gifts that might be given to me. But now I'm 36, and when Christmas comes around, I look forward to giving gifts, um, but I don't look forward with the same anticipation to receiving gifts. I am content with what I have. If I got nothing for Christmas, I genuinely would be fine. I, I'm not lacking anything. And so I don't have this like anticipation and eagerness, like, oh, I really hope uh, my mom and dad get me this, I really hope my wife gets me this, or I really hope somebody gets me that. I don't have that same longing anymore, uh, that what I used to have as a kid, uh, even as a teenager to some degree, is just gone. And, and that may feel okay to us, Uh, When it comes to Christmas gifts, it probably is okay when it comes to Christmas gifts. If we're in our 30s and 40s and 50s and 60s and we're just like on the edge of our seat waiting, dependent on somebody to give us Christmas gifts, we might need to grow in maturity a little bit or confidence in God's provision. And so it might feel okay with us when it comes to Christmas gifts. Those things are optional. There's nothing in the Bible about those things. But the question I want us to ask, and I think that our text today will answer for us, is, is it okay with regard to spiritual gifts? Is it okay to be at a place in life where I'm like, I don't really care if we get more spiritual gifts in our church. I don't really care if God gives me any gifts to use. Is it okay to not be eager for that? To not long for that? To not desire God to give Gifts, And I think we're going to see the text today speak very clearly to us about that. I think as we read the words of the Apostle Paul to this ancient church that was about 2,000 years ago, I trust and believe that we're going to hear in his words to them, God's word to us. We're going to hear a very simple but challenging command from God to us to earnestly desire spiritual gifts. So... We've been in a series, we're going to continue it for several more weeks after this, but we've been in a series that we're calling Building Up, where we're going through First Corinthians chapter 12, 13, and 14. We'll even hit a little bit of 15. Uh, but we are in this series on purpose. We've been anticipating this for a long time as a church because we want to grow as a church family, and we want to grow as the individuals that comprise it. We want to grow in a few ways. We want to grow in our understanding of spiritual gifts, He starts chapter 12 by saying, I want you to be informed about spiritual gifts. So we want to make sure we understand spiritual gifts. We want to grow in our pursuit of spiritual gifts. We'll even start to look at that today, our pursuit of spiritual gifts. And we want to grow as we get further into this text, uh, in our use of spiritual gifts. When God has given gifts or he does give gifts to us in the future, we want to grow in our understanding of how to use them. They're given to be used, so how are we to use them? How are we to not use them? What do they actually bring about in us as a church and as individual Christians? And so we've been in this a few weeks now, and I just commend to you the sermons that have come thus far. Uh, Pastor Larry, a few weeks back, preached a wonderful sermon uh, from earlier in chapter 12 about the gifts of the Holy Spirit and how they are to be be used and even went through these various examples of spiritual gifts that Paul has talked about in this chapter. Even some we'll see mentioned again in our text today. And then last Sunday, Jake Osborne preached a wonderful sermon I'd encourage you to listen to about this metaphor that the Apostle Paul was using with this church. calling this church the body of Christ and how God has made it up with individual parts. who each play a different function with their different gifts, but how when we come together, we're actually able to do all the things Christ wants us to do in ways that we couldn't when we're by ourselves. In today's text, verses 27 to 31, we're going to see the Apostle Paul continue to talk about spiritual gifts. He's given extended time to it with this church because it was a big issue with them. And we're going to see him weave back in some of those thoughts about examples of gifts that the Holy Spirit gives, but then also we're going to see him mention again this body metaphor that Jake uh, taught us from uh, last Sunday. But we're going to see most of what we focus on today is going to be in verse 31, where after he's kind of brought those strands back together, he's going to give a very clear, short, but challenging command to us to earnestly desire what he calls the higher And so we're going to spend most of our time there. But I want us to read all of the verses, verses 27 through 31 of 1 Corinthians 12. So I trust that you've had plenty of time uh, to find that. So the Apostle Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, uh, continued writing this letter, and this is what he said to this church. Now, you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second, prophets, third, teachers, then, miracles, then, gifts of healing, helping, administrating, and various kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all possess gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? But earnestly... Desire the higher gifts, and I will show you a still more excellent way. This was the word of God to them, and it is the word of God to us. I want to note one thing before uh, we go too deeply into this. I want to note for those of us uh, here that Paul is writing to Christians uh, about spiritual gifts. He's not intending what he's about to say to be addressing people who don't know Christ who don't believe in him. And you see that right there at the start, verse 27. He's talking to a church. He says, you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. This letter, what we're reading today, was written to people who had placed their faith in Jesus who had turned away from their sins, who had put their trust in the the crucified Jesus, who had died for their sins, and who had been raised from the dead to stand up for them, to to give them hope that someday he would raise them up to life forever. Every person who would have been hearing this letter would have already uh, professed faith in Jesus. They would have been united with him. They would have become one with Christ. They're part of his body there at Corinth. And so most of what I'm going to say today is to address to those of us in the room who are believers in Christ, those of us who have put our faith in Jesus, those of us who've been given gifts of the Holy Spirit. But I know in a room like this, there are many here who have not done that, uh, who are not part of the body of Christ who have not repented of your sins, who have not put your trust in him. And before we start talking about the gifts that God gives to Christians and how they're to be desired and longed for, I want you to know first that before you long for gifts from the Holy Spirit, gifts from God, you should long for God himself. And you can have God himself. That he sent Christ into this world for sinners like me and you. People who were guilty, who had no right to come to God, no right to be received by him, no right to be part of his body. But he sent Christ into this world with a physical body, God incarnate, we say. And he laid down his life upon the cross for the sins of people like us, to suffer the judgment that should be coming to us. And he was crucified in our place, taking every drop of God's anger for our sin. And he, he had been raised from the dead three days later. And now he says to everyone in this room, if you will turn from your sin and place your trust in me, I will forgive you free and clear forever. And someday I will raise you up. And even right now, I'll invite you into the body of my people to be loved by them and cared for by them and for you to do the same for them. And so I would invite you today, if you are not, if you walked into this room not a part of the body of Christ, I would want you to hear Jesus' voice loud and clear saying, you can be part of the body. Like, place your trust in me. I will forgive you. You can be part of the body today. I would invite you to pray to him, call out to him. And if you would like to talk more about that, I would love, love, love to talk with you about that so I want you to hear that for me because everything else I'm going to say the rest of this sermon and this text is to people who are Christians, people who have been united with Jesus a lot of this text that we just read verses 27 to 31 some of it's at least been referred to in previous sermons as we've started uh, this series Uh, and so I want us to we'll come back to verses 27 and, and 28 29 uh, 30 in just a few minutes but i want to start down at the bottom of this text the end of this chapter where paul says to this church very matter-of-factly very simply he says earnestly desire the higher gifts earnestly desire the higher gifts what does he mean when he says that what did he mean when he said it to them what, we, what does it mean when we read it for us when he said to earnestly desire certain things that that phrase that word uh, is used a few times by him if you have a bible you can kind of just skim ahead a little bit in the same section if you look ahead to chapter 14 in the very first verse of that chapter he's going to use the same term he's going to say to earnestly desire the spiritual gifts just as a category earnestly desire it Then you see down at the end of chapter 14, which we'll see in a few weeks, in verse 39, he uses that same phrase again. He says, so my brothers earnestly desire to prophesy. And so it has different objects. One time it's, uh, in today's text, it's the higher gifts. In the next one, it's uh, the spiritual gifts, like a general category. Then in the last one, he's saying to desire a certain gift, the gift of prophecy. But the common bond there, when he says earnestly desire, it, it's not a complicated thing. What he, it's, it's implied in, a, in what we read there, that we are to have a desire for these things. It's not rocket science. It, we're supposed to have a longing in our heart for these things. We're supposed to have this craving. It's a strong word. It's almost like this idea of being zealous for something. Like not just like, oh, I can take it or leave it. Like no big deal if if we have that or if I have that or not. Paul is using a strong word to say desire it, long for it, like crave it, want it. And he's saying in this text, the thing that we should have this longing for, this, this craving in our heart, this deep, zealous desire for in our hearts as Christians, he says, is what he calls the higher gifts. I wish that I had a more clear answer for you to, to tell you what he means when he says the higher gifts. What gifts is he talking about? Which ones is, are we supposed to be longing for? We later have the command specifically to, to earnestly desire prophecy. But here he's, imma- he's imagining a category of gifts that he calls the higher gifts or the greater gifts. And I honestly don't know specific, I don't know that Paul had certain ones in mind that he wanted them to say like, okay, these other ones, you just got a kind of want, but these ones, like you really want these specific gifts. But when he says to earnestly desire the higher gifts, what we can know when he says higher or greater gifts, that he's referring to gifts that have a greater impact on the body of Christ. To have a, a more prominent, widespread effect on the body of Christ. Because gifts are given to build each other up. They're given for the common good. Not to just give the person personal experience, but they're, to be, they're given to build other Christians up. And so when he says to have this earnest desire for higher gifts, I don't know that he's imagining just certain gifts he wants them to have. But he wants them to long for gifts that have a better, bigger effect on the body of Christ. He's saying that's what you should long for, and you should earnestly desire it. So I want us this morning, I want myself, I want us as a church, I want each of us as individuals to hear verse 31 as a command to us. This is not just a command written to ancient people in an ancient world that's far removed from us, that we just kind of read their mail and it has no bearing on us. This is the word of God to us. And God is speaking to us through this text and saying, earnestly desire the higher gifts. And so the main thing I want to communicate today, I'm not even going like to fancy it up with my own language, the main thing I want us to walk out of here doing is earnestly desiring the higher gifts. I want you to walk out of here earnestly desiring the higher gifts, wanting them, longing for them in our lives, and the life of our church. There are many, many commands in the Bible that are addressed to our heads. Like things that we're told to believe. Like, you must believe this. You ought to believe this. Don't buy this lie. There's many commands in the Bible that are addressed to our heads. And there's many commands in the Bible that are addressed, what I would say, to our hands. Like, do this. Don't do this. There's a lot of that in the Bible. But there are texts like this that are commands to our hearts. That are aimed at our hearts that we're not just told to just believe stuff and do stuff, but we are called at a heart level to long for certain things. We're commanded to long for certain things as Christians and as a church. And so I want you to hear the word of God to you today. Earnestly desire the higher gifts. There are all sorts of reasons uh, that we may be tempted or may actually disobey this command, things that may keep us from actually doing this, actually having this desire that's in our heart for these spiritual gifts. There could be all sorts of sinful reasons that we do. And we're just lazy. Uh, we're apathetic. Uh, there could be all sorts of reasons like that. But one of the things I want to do this morning, and I find this interesting, is I want to look at some of the things Paul has been saying even to this church that we've been celebrating as good, true things about God That Satan would love to take those true things and kind of twist them and keep us from earnestly desiring gifts. Earnestly desiring spiritual gifts for us and for our church family. There's true things Paul's been saying about God and about the way that he gives spiritual gifts. That Satan would love to take those true things and just kind of twist them a bit. And keep us sometimes from even desiring these gifts at all or desiring them in the right way. Way. And the, the two things that we're going to look at today that Paul has been saying and describing about God that may be twisted by Satan to, to dampen desire in our hearts are what I would call God's sovereignty in giving spiritual gifts and God's selectivity in giving spiritual gifts. And, and I think you'll understand what I mean as we go through this. So there's two, I would call them like barriers that Satan would like to throw up uh, that would keep us from earnestly desiring spiritual gifts, earnestly desiring the higher gifts that have a a greater impact on the body of Christ. And the first one we're going to look at is God's sovereignty in giving gifts. That's a barrier that Satan would love to to, to, uh, throw in our way uh, to keep us from earnestly desiring spiritual gifts gifts and this is where one he would like to throw up in front of us to keep us from desiring spiritual gifts at all uh, that, that that he would want us to just avoid the subject altogether now uh, here's what i mean paul has been very very clear as he's been writing this letter in this section of this letter and we've read through it the last few weeks he's been very clear in articulating that god is in charge of who gets what gift right he has made that very clear. And if, if you weren't here, you can look back real quick with me. Look back just at verse 11, for example. Paul's making this point that God is sovereign in who gets what gifts. Because he's just been listing all these different spiritual gifts that God could give. And then in verse 11, he says, All these are empowered by one and the same spirit, who apportions to each one individually, and then here's the phrase, as he wills. He's made it very clear that the Spirit is the one who decides who gets what gifts. He's the one who gives them. He's the one who gives them how he pleases, as he wills. He's sovereign over it. And if you go to verse 18, which was part of what we looked at last week, where Paul's talking about the church and all the different gifts in it as a body. In verse 18, he says, But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, and here's the phrase, As he chose. And so God is the one who gives gifts the way he wants. When he wants. In the measure he wants. To who he wants. He is in charge absolutely completely about who has what spiritual gifts. And I think Paul has been writing these ideas to them. Telling them this true statement about spiritual gifts. To foster what I would call contentment in God's people. So that, that we are content with the things that God has given to us. But we're also content with the things he hasn't given to us. That, that we're not jealous of the gifts that God gave somebody else. And we're not belittling or diminishing of the gifts that God's given to me. Like God gives gifts how he wants. He, he's sovereign in giving every single gift that he gives out. He gives it on purpose and we should be content. We should have this effect of contentment in our hearts uh, when we read things like that, that God gives gifts. But I would suggest to you in what we see in today's text that Paul was writing about God's sovereignty and giving gifts not just to make us content, Not just to grow contentment in us. But also to put craving in our hearts. For more. For additional things that God might like to give to us. Or do among us. Satan would love for us to stop at contentment. And just think that's the only fruit that God's sovereignty in giving gifts should have. Is that I'm content. We're content with what he's given. We're okay with what he's given. May we never be discontent. May we never be like frustrated with God, like, why didn't you give that to me? Why did you give that to them? Why aren't you doing this in our church? God is sovereign, always will be in giving gifts. But Satan would love to have contentment be the only effect that truth has on us. But Paul wants more than just contentment. He wants contentment in the heart of Christians, but he also wants craving in the heart of Christians. He wants craving in their hearts and in our hearts to know that the sovereign God who's already given certain gifts to us can give additional gifts. Whether it's through people or giving new gifts to people who already have some gifts, him giving new gifts to others. We should be content because he's sovereign and giving gifts, but we should also have cravings in our heart because he's sovereign. This church uh, was intended not just to be content with what's already been given, but craving for what's yet to be given. And this was a church, if you look back at the very beginning of this letter, in chapter 1, verse 7, Paul said to this church that they weren't lacking in any spiritual gift. He literally said that to them. You're not lacking any spiritual gift. You're full, so to speak. And to that same church, it's not as if he forgot chapter 1 when he writes chapter 12, he says, earnestly desire the higher gifts. Have this longing in your heart for more that God may want to give to you. And so I think we can be tempted sometimes when we remember that God is sovereign to just kind of sit on our hands. And this happens with other issues too. This happens with evangelism, for example. We think God's sovereign over who gets saved, over whose hearts has changed. So I'm just going to sit on my hands and wait and see what he does. Like, he'll save people if he wants to. He could do it without me. Why do I need to even act at all? Why do I need to even uh, speak? God will do what he wants. He, he does what he pleases. And we can let God's sovereignty make us passive. And with spiritual gifts, we can let the, the idea that God's sovereign and giving gifts kind of dampen our longing for more. We think, well, he's just, if he's going to give me these gifts, he'll give them, okay? Like, if he's going to give us, as a church, these gifts, he'll give them. And we just kind of end up waiting and doing nothing to actually ask God for these things. Nothing to actually appeal to him, to, to plead with him and show. We long for more, and we just sit on our hands and just wait for him to act. But God's sovereignty, I would say, should strengthen our longing for more spiritual gifts, not squash it. His sovereignty should not squash our longing for spiritual gifts. It should strengthen it. It should make us eager for what he may have to give to us. And one thing I, I've been thinking a lot about, and I want to make sure that I say today, is I want you to know a simple truth, is that God can give more spiritual gifts. Even to people who are already Christians. Even to people who have been Christians a long time. God can give more spiritual gifts. Sometimes I think for some reason, I, I was like this for a long time, I think we wrongly assume, I don't even know why we do this, but we wrongly assume that God gives spiritual gifts to people when they're converted, like kind of in a lump sum, if you want to talk about it that way, and then it's just the rest of our life then is just getting better at using whatever gift or gifts he gave me when I was converted. That's what a lot of us think. That's what I thought for a long time. But In this text, Paul is writing to a church that was not lacking in any spiritual gift. And he's talking to people who are Christians and maybe have been for years at this point in time. And he's telling them, desire more gifts to be given. Desire more gifts to be given to you. And we have an example even in the Bible itself. I think we'll have this text up on the screen of 1 Timothy four. 14, I want to give you an, at least one example where we see in the scriptures themselves that God can give gifts to people who have long since been Christians. People who have had other gifts already given to them. Uh, we see this letter. So Paul, who wrote First Corinthians, also wrote this letter, First Timothy. And he wrote it to kind of his protege, Timothy. And in what we call chapter 4, verse 14, he says this to him. He's talking to Timothy and he says, Do not neglect the gift you have. And I want you to hear what he says. I'm not going to make a lot of comment on the prophecy part. We'll get to talk about that a few weeks from now. He says, do not neglect the gift you have, which was given you by prophecy when the council of elders laid their hands on you. I don't know how many times I've read through that before and just let my eyes go right over that and miss this fact that he's referring, he's trying to encourage Timothy, this young pastor, by pointing Timothy back to some previous event in his life. And what happened at that event in his life is there were these pastors who had gathered around him. I'm assuming he was a fellow pastor with them. So he'd already been a believer. He'd already been a Christian, was already serving God. And Paul is reminding Timothy in that letter that, hey, there was this moment. Do you remember that moment, Timothy, where the elders laid hands on you? They prayed for you. They even shared a prophecy with you, which, again, we'll talk about in a few weeks. And he's saying that a gift, and we don't even know what gift he's talking about, but a gift was given to you in that moment. Do you see what I'm saying? A gift was given to Timothy, who was already a Christian, who was already gifted, who was already serving God's people, even leading God's people. Paul's reminding him that at a moment far later than that, when he'd been a Christian a long time, that God had given him an additional gift. Gift. And so we t- need to have confidence that God can give more gifts to us. He, he may not, that He's sovereign in doing it, but God can give more gifts even to us who have been Christians for a long time and to churches that have been long established. He can do that. And He commands us to desire for Him to do that. And when we hear this command in Scripture, earnestly desire, higher gifts. I think sometimes we we think of a command to our heart, like uh, at a desire level, and we think, I can't do anything about that. Like tell me something to do with my hands, I can do that or not do that. Tell me something to believe in my head, I can do that or I can not do that. I can reject it or believe it. But you speak a command to my heart, and for some reason in our culture we think, what am I supposed to do with that? Like, we, th- we think of our desires as just something that we have no say-so whatsoever over, where it's just either there or it's not. And some of you may think that now. I, you may think, I don't have a desire for higher gifts. I don't have a desire in my heart to do that. What am I supposed to do, Pastor Mark? I can't just manufacture it. But I want you to hear this is a command from God to you. It's not just something that you can set aside and say, I have no say-so in that. Desires that we can't just perfect them and, and, and make them into everything we long for them to be, but we can start to affect our own desires. We can start to try to grow desires within our heart. And if you want a trivial little example of this, Uh, Many of you know that I really like drinking soda. I I love Coke. I love Mountain Dew. I love all sorts of different things. I've drank way too much of it in my life. Uh, But about, I don't know, maybe six months ago, nine months ago, I thought, you know what? I'm getting older. I probably need to, like, eat a little bit healthier. I'm still not there where I want to be. But soda was one of the things. And I had heard my brother uh, say that he really liked Coke Zero. And I thought, oh my goodness, that's gonna taste terrible. I have no desire in my heart whatsoever to drink Coke Zero. I just want the full sugar stuff, like give that to me all day long. I will take that. But I I wanted to want it. I wanted to have a desire to drink something that was healthier. And so you know what I did? I tried start to start drinking Coke Zero. And I hated it at first. I, I couldn't stand it. I did not like it. And now my family can testify. I drink too much of that now. Because because God has changed my desire, my taste. He, he gave me a desire uh, through means and in pursuit of it. He gave me a desire for something I used to have no desire for. Uh, a strong desire for something I used to not have desire for. And that's just a trivial example, but I, I want to, to use it to show us that we do not have the right to just say, I don't want that, God. Like, I don't have desire in my heart for you to give those things and just be okay with that. You have God's word three times in three chapters saying, earnestly desire these things. So how do you try to grow that if it's not present in you? Some of you I know in the room do have this earnest desire. Some in the room you maybe don't. And so the ways that I would encourage you to try to obey this command, to actually earnestly desire higher spiritual gifts, would be these. First, I would say, don't neglect the normal means of God's grace in growing you. Continue to read Scripture. Continue to read the Bible. Continue to worship with God's people. Continue to gather with God's people in community. Those are ways that He will grow you. But more specifically, I would say this to you is to start reading scripture. Read these chapters over and over again. I would just give you that simple encouragement. Read chapter 12 and 13 and 14 over and over again. Meditate on what God is saying in these texts. And ask him to help your heart align with his heart. And keep thinking, keep processing these texts, because this is where we find the truth. And we hear God telling us, earnestly desire the higher gifts. So we should go to his word and be saying, help me see why I should. Like, give me this desire in my heart. I want to want it. I want to, to long for these things. Help me to see these things the way that you see them, God. And the way that you do that is by reading his Word." by reading what he thinks of it and slowly asking him to work that understanding, those longings, even in your heart, that are in his heart. In addition to to just reading and sitting on these texts and meditating on them, I would encourage you very simply to pray. Pray repeatedly that God would change your heart, that, that he would give these desires to you. I would encourage you to pray as an individual For the gifts of the Spirit to be given to our church, I would encourage you to pray with your life group for these things. I'd encourage you when we have prayer meetings like we have tonight at 6, come and pray with us. As we ask God for things, uh, that is often when He gives. That's the normal means that God has embedded into our world is these ideas of asking and seeking and knocking not just sitting on our hands and just waiting for God to magically open the heavens. He can do that. He has done that. But the typical means by which gifts come to a group of people is by the the prayerful requesting of them, the the repeated questioning and, and asking of God, showing we earnestly desire these things. Not that we just mention them once and then we never think about it again, but we pray again and again, asking him to give more gifts to our church. That's the first barrier is God's sovereignty. It's a truth about God, but Satan would love to make it a barrier where we just sit on our hands passively and think, I can't have a desire for these things. I I can't do anything about what gifts he gives, so why should I even try Or Why should I even care? But God tells us to care. God tells us to long for these things. But the second barrier that I mentioned earlier and that we see even in our text today is what I would call God's selectivity. And giving gifts. If he's sovereign in giving spiritual gifts, he's also selective in giving gifts as well. And this is a barrier Satan would like to throw up in front of us, not to keep us from pursuing gifts at all, but from what I would say from pursuing spiritual gifts and desiring spiritual gifts in the right way. He'd like to kind of twist our motives a little bit and, and make us pursue them and desire them, but for the wrong reasons. Here's what I mean. Paul has been very clear in chapter 12, and Jake explained this so well last week. Uh, Paul's been very clear that God is selective in who he gives spiritual gifts to. That there is, is no person who receives every gift, and there is no gift that is given to every Christian. Uh, God is selective about giving this gift to this person and this gift to this person so that we are bonded together. And so in our text today, you see this really clearly. Like verse 28, it says that God appointed first apostles, second prophets, third teachers. So then he's going to mention some specific gifts. So then he's appointed miracles and gifts of healing and helping, administrating various kinds of of tongues. And so he's, he's saying God has given certain gifts to certain people. Then he makes his point very clear in verses 29 and 30, where he just rapid fire asks these rhetorical questions Are all people this? Are all Christians that? Is every believer this? And the very clear answer of are all apostles? Is no. Are all prophets? The clear answer he's implying is no. Are all teachers? The clear answer he is implying is no. And he goes on with miracles and gifts of healing and praying in tongues and interpreting tongues. And the clear answer he's implying with every single one of them is no, 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 no. There is no gift that is given to every Christian. God is selective in who he gives gifts to. And what that should create in us, what that's supposed to create in us as Christians, is that we realize that we need to be united together. None of us is just this miniature body of Jesus, like walking around doing everything Jesus wants us to do as an individual, but each of us is part of a bigger whole that together functions as the body of Jesus. And he's wanting us to be humble and to be interdependent on each other, uh, to know that all the gifts come when the church is gathered together. But what Satan would love to do, if, if that teaching of God's selectivity is supposed to have this good effect of unity and I'm dependent on you all as my brothers and sisters and you're dependent on me, Satan would love to twist it and subtly start to get us to pursue these gifts, to long for these gifts for the wrong reason. He'd love for us to start to desire them in a self-centered way. And here's what I mean by this. Most of you are probably familiar with the term scarcity. Uh, It's something that just drives our whole economic system, for example. It's this idea that there's a limited quantity of things that not everybody can get. So uh, we see this as early as when, for example, you put two little toddlers in a room and you put one toy in front of them. That's scarcity, okay? Where they start to quickly become selfish about this gift, this toy can't be used by both of us, so one of us is going to get it, one of us is not. As we get... Grown up, it's a little more sophisticated. Maybe when there's one job and there's five applicants. Or on Black Friday coming up next month when there's like 50 TVs on sale and there's like 100 people who want that TV. It's a race to get it for yourself, right? You knock people with your cart. You uh, you send a secret person out to the store to hide at night, whatever, I don't know, uh, to get the thing. But scarcity, when there's a limited amount of things, that are not going to go to everybody, we can start to scramble to make sure I get it for me, like I want that thing, and i don 't care if other people get it. I want it for me, and we may not we may not see this with spiritual gifts. it may make sense with toys or jobs or televisions, things like that, but when it comes to spiritual gifts, it might not make sense to us. How could that be like how could I become self centered uh, in seeking these gifts and knowing that God's selective in how he gives them. And I suggest to you one thing, uh, one way that we can subtly see this happen is this, is that when we start to have a desire for these gifts to be given, a desire for more gifts to be given, and we realize uh, that God doesn't give them to everybody how many of us, and I'm guilty of this, and I, I'm seeking to grow in this. How many of us, once we start to have that desire grow in us, this earnest desire, we start to pray prayers like this. Like, God, please give this gift to me. Like I would love to be able to have this gift to use to bless other Christians. Like, please give me this gift. And we may ask him that a hundred times. We may ask him a hundred times, but notice how we're asking. Say, please give this gift to me. Like, I would love to do this, God. Like, please give it to me. And we, it's, we may not articulate it, but it could be in the background. Like, I know you're not going to give it to everybody. I know you're selected, but please give it to me. Like, I want to have that gift. I want to be able to do that certain thing, play that certain role in the life of your people. And we need to remember, this is so important when you read the Bible, we need to remember that when this command is written, earnestly desire the higher gifts, that this was written to a church, not to a Christian. This was written, this command, it's like, you all earnestly desire the higher gifts. Not like you, individual Christian, desire the higher gifts. Like you, individual Christian, desire the higher gifts. It's saying, you all together desire these things. Desire these gifts, desire more gifts to be given to you, plural. Like, don't just long for them for yourself so that you can subtly start to become more prominent in the church, but long for these gifts in us. So instead of saying, God, please give this gift to me, that is not a wrong prayer to pray, okay? But we should also be praying, God, give these gifts to us. Like, please give more spiritual gifts to us because even if we feel like we're not lacking in any spiritual gift right now, please give more to us. Give more gifts to us so that we can care better for each other. The way I would say this is that God's selectivity it should broaden our longing for spiritual gifts, not narrow it. Like knowing that God's just going to give certain gifts to certain people shouldn't make me just say, Well, I want it for me. Give that to me, God. Please give it to me. Please give it to me. But it should say, Man, I want to broaden my desire and have it be for us to experience these things. For us to be given these things as a church. Spiritual gifts are good spiritual gifts are for the common good they're for the building up of the church they are desirable they are things that we are commanded to desire because they build up fellow christians and they they in a sense help us know the nearness of god they help us know his care his attention his his presence with us in unique and powerful ways And we ought to have a desire in our hearts for more gifts to be given to us so that we can know the giver of those gifts even better, so we can know more experientially his care for us, never at the detriment of his word and the unmistakable truth of scripture and the gift that that it is to us and always will be. But we ought to long for more gifts. We ought to earnestly desire gifts of the Spirit so that we may know God's nearness and care in extra measure. I know there are some in our church, and you may not know what this term means, and I, I, I want to to lovingly uh, call upon this group of people who, who would use a, a label to describe themselves when it comes to spiritual gifts. And I used to use this for myself, to be honest, where we say we're open to the spiritual gifts, but cautious. That's a, a big category that we're often put ourselves in and say, I think God can give these gifts. I think he does give these gifts, but you know what? I'm just nervous and I'm cautious. If that's you, I would, just want to, I would not want to dampen caution in your heart. I, I want you to have caution in your heart. If we would ever be longing for gifts that are outside of what God has said he gives and that are beneficial to us, we ought to have caution about those things and more than caution. We ought to walk away from those things. what I want to ask is if you are open to these things but cautious, I want to ask you, can you equally say of yourself that you are as desirous as you are cautious? Because you are commanded by God and His Word to desire these things for our church. It is not me telling you earnestly desire these things. It is God speaking to us saying to earnestly desire these things. And so, Amen. May we be cautious. May we test things. May we process them according to the word, but may we also be desirous. May we long for him to give more gifts. I, I pray as a church that we be marked by w- the contentment of grown ups at Christmas, but also the earnest desire of children at Christmas. Amen. For the spiritual gifts and any that God may have to give to us. So may we earnestly desire the higher spiritual gifts. I'm going to pray for us, and we're going to sing a closing song uh, before we're dismissed. But join me in praying. And actually, you can stand. Why don't you stand while we while we pray to the Giver of these gifts, Father? We um, we find it challenging sometimes to have you give commands to our heart, where you command us to long for things. But I pray for those in this room who have already had a deep longing for spiritual gifts, for you to even give more to them and to us. I pray that you would continue that in them, that you would continue to fuel that in them by reminding them that you're sovereign, by reminding them that you're selective and you may not give gifts to them. Um, May they have a desire that's just broadened and strengthened uh, for our church and the gifts that you may give to us. Uh, But for those in the room who may be nervous, those who uh, may be, uh, cautious, who maybe have never read this command or really weighed its relevance in their life, I pray that you would place desire within their heart, that you would give them a desire to desire, uh, and that you would give them a willingness to engage with you on this, to, to read your word and to pray to seek you and, and seeking to obey this command, to earnestly desire the higher spiritual gifts. And I pray this in the name of Jesus.